Uh, yeah, I'm on. Is that hard to reach O-N-O-F-F switch? I always wondered what that was for. <laughs> oh, for crying in a bucket. All right, here we go. Scripture lays out for us in Psalm 127. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. And happy is a man who has a quiver full of them. The scripture also lays out in the Gospel of Luke. Now in the days of her purification were finished according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So Will and Rebecca are bringing Bradley this morning to dedicate him to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we see that Jesus loves the little children. For in Matthew 18, the scripture says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called the little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children... You will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Let's go before the Lord and pray for Bradley. Lord, these tiny hands are so trusting, so innocent, but they will grow in a world that has been tainted by hatred, greed, sin, and darkness. Lord, protect this child. We give him to you. Lord, the future seems uncertain, and yet we look at our children, and mysteriously we have hope. So guide his way, Lord. Make his path straight. Give him strength. We give this little one to you. As parents, spiritual leaders, teachers, mentors, and friends, Lord, anoint us to give him an overwhelming sense of security that can only come from you. Anoint us as ministers, Lord. For we want him to see you in every aspect of his life. We give him to you. When he is hurting, may we minister to him through your power. For you are Yahweh Hoshia, the Lord who saves. When he fails, may we offer the same grace that you offered to us. For you are Yahweh Goel, the Lord our Redeemer. When he is lonely, may we reach out to him and commune with him and remind him that you will never leave us nor forsake us for you are Yahweh Shammah the Lord who is present when he is sick may he know that you are everything he needs for you are Yahweh Rophe the Lord who heals when he experiences defeat may we teach him to look to you for victory for you are Yahweh Nisi the Lord our victory When he is needy and poor, may he reach out to you, for you are Yahweh Yireh, the Lord our provider. When he is lost and feels like he doesn't have a purpose, guide him, for you are Yahweh Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. We give this little lamb to you, Lord, for you are everything Bradley will ever need. So we dedicate him to you this Mother's Day morning. We give you thanks for your healing touch upon his body. We give you thanks that he is here. We lift him to you and ask God, watch over and keep him all the days of his life. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Congratulations. God bless you guys. Thank you. God bless you too. Well, what do you think of the new spiffy podium? Yeah. I just did that so I could wear flip-flops all the time and nobody would be able to tell. You can see him right under the bottom, huh? <clears throat> so, so much for, uh, yeah. It's like the, the great and terrible Oz, the Wizard of Oz, right? And you can see the man behind the curtain. It just doesn't work out. His toes are sticking out the bottom. God's so good. Well, if you remember, uh, last week we began the Gospel of Matthew. So we want to invite you to open up the the book of Matthew. And we're going to 
continue our journey through chapter 1. Last time uh, we talked about the genealogy and I just want to take a moment. We're not going to we're not going to go through the genealogy like we did last week. If you're curious about some of these uh, men and women in the genealogy, I encourage you to to get the tape from last week. But let's uh, let's just follow with me as we read through this beginning of the book of Matthew. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab, and Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. And Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king, and David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. And Solomon begot Rehoboam, and Rehoboam begot Abijah, and Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah, Uzziah begot Jotham. And Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Ammon, and Ammon begot Josiah. And Josiah begot Jeconiah, and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. Now after they were brought from Babylon, Jeconiah begot Sheltiel, and Sheltiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abuid, and Abuid begot Eliakim, and Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Achim, Achim begot Eluid, Eluid begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Mathan, and Mathan begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. As we look at the genealogy and we kind of went through it last week one of the things we see in the genealogy is very simple that jesus put himself in a line full of sinners you take the time to look at the stories of the lives of those guys and gals he's got harlots prostitutes people who committed murder and adultery liars manipulators good kings and bad kings all the way through his genealogy. And it's interesting because if we realize that every father in that genealogy passed something to his son. Every father passed a sin nature. But when we come to the end, as we come to the close of the genealogy, you notice the language that he uses changes. And it says, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus the Christ. It doesn't say that Joseph begot Jesus because there was something special about Jesus' birth, wasn't there? We look at the the genealogy and we see this line of sinners, sin passed from father to son. But Jesus had a different mission, didn't he? Jesus' mission was he was the first human being ever born just to die. But even more than that, even more than that, When we consider the incarnation, it is something that ought to blow your mind. It ought to blow your mind to consider Almighty God in heaven, glory all around Him, all the angels, all the beauty, all the majesty. What does He need with us? Yeah, He don't need anything. But Jesus laid all that down. The incarnation, Almighty God, becomes a little baby. Just like little Bradley that was up here this morning. Can you imagine Almighty God as an infant? And and what would you feel like in, in that respect? Understanding... The beauty that God left, what he left, to come here with one sole purpose. One sole purpose. 
that he who had known no sin would become sin. So you could have a relationship with him. He left all of that to be stained with sin. To become our sin, your sin, my sin, and everyone's sin. For the first time in eternity, the Father and the Son would know separation as Jesus would cry on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did God forsake him? Why was it that the Father and the Son knew separation? Because in that moment, it's not the horror of the cross. It's not the blood and the torture that he went through that we focus on so often. It's the fact that God became sin. That's why he died. To pay the penalty for sin. Whenever I think about it, it just... It blows me away to consider. And the scripture tells us why he did it. The scripture tells us Jesus did it because he loves us. That God came as a child because he loves us. He was willing to become sin because he loves us. He was willing to do whatever it took so that he could know you. So that you and he could walk in the cool of the evening. You remember how Adam and Eve in the beginning, in the garden... One of the greatest verses in Genesis is that Adam walked with God in the cool of the evening. And then that was lost at the fall. Sin separated man from God. And the Lord began to give a series of pictures in his progressive revelation to man as he began to show him. Now, sin requires death. God is love, but God is also righteous. God is also holy. And the scripture tells us what? It tells us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, right? Understanding the righteous requirement of God. He requires something of you that you can't produce. He requires righteousness of you. You cannot produce it. You can try to do whatever you want. You can do all the, the things you, need, you think you need to do. You can say, I will never wear flip-flops to church. It's okay, I will. You can say, whatever, whatever weird things we come up with in our mind. This is what I'm going to do to show God I'm righteous. I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll go to church on Wednesday. I'll do Bible studies. I'll teach Sunday school. None of those things makes you righteous. It is impossible for you to produce within yourself what God requires. So Jesus came and he became sin and he was judged on the cross as God would judge sin in any man. And then he rose from the dead to proclaim to you and I, the sacrifice is over. Now by faith, he who became sin offers to you righteousness that you can't produce. So by faith, I come to the Lord and I say, God, I'm a sinner. I can't make my life right enough. I can't do good enough. And I want to be like you were. I want to give myself for you. I want to live my life your way. We've talked many times as an illustration that I love that your life is like this ball of string Just opened up. That's all of eternity. And if you come all the way to one end of that and you put a little red dot, that's your life here on earth. Which one are you living for? The dot or eternity? Which one are you focused on? The dot or eternity? Because the things that we do in the dot, they affect eternity. The choices we make affect our relationship with God. So every time I come to the end of this genealogy, I am blown away. First, by the fact that God came. And he put himself within a little baby that required to be nursed by and cared for by a, a mom and a, and a father. 
I mean, isn't that incredible? The God who holds the universe in the span of his hand? It's amazing to, to consider the height, width, depth, breadth of the love of Christ. How much he loves, how much he cares for us. But listen, the scripture says in verse 18, Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. What's that like for Mary? So kind of dispel some of the myths or or things that might be in your mind. Mary is, by all probability, 16. She's been betrothed. The betrothal period is one year, typically. The betrothal is basically you're married, but for one year you're under you're under watch for your for your uh, um, willingness to really be committed to one another. And during that one year betrothal period, while all eyes are on you, Mary shows up pregnant. Whenever I think about that, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Let's go over to Luke and just take a look at. Just briefly about uh, some of the things that are going on in, in Mary's mind. Luke chapter 1, beginning about <clears throat> verse 35. Well, actually, let's go back to 31. Here. The angel appears to Mary and says, Behold, you will conceive a son in your womb and bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him to the throne, give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be? I have not known a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said... Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And that, I want you to think about what that is. Because for Mary's entire life, no one will believe her. Do you get that? At 16 years old, an angel appears to her, tells her that she's going to give birth to the Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah. The Messiah is going to be born, and that was something that every woman wanted. But, but the way in which it came, nobody necessarily was expecting, although Isaiah prophesied about it. And here in that one-year period of time, while all eyes are on her, this angel comes to her and says, you're going to be pregnant, and you're going to give birth to the Christ child. And knowing the ridicule that she's going to face the rest of her life, she said... Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. In essence, I love you, God, whatever you want. I give myself for you. And she's going to, at that moment, she's going to leave. She's not going to be in town where Joseph can see her. She's going to go visit Elizabeth. The scripture tells us as she goes to visit Elizabeth, as we continue in Luke, it says that, Now Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she spoke with a loud voice, said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her 
from the Lord. And then Mary sang this song. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm and scattered the proud in their imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Mary was fully, totally, utterly committed to God. That's why the Lord chose her. He knew, and Mary didn't matter what it cost. Didn't matter what it cost. She was willing to present herself to the Lord to be used by him and through him. And so through Mary comes to us the Christ child. But you know, back in Matthew, we hear the other side of that story, right? Back in Matthew, we take a look and it tells us all of a sudden she shows up pregnant. She's roughly three to six months along. She can't hide it anymore. What are the people in town saying? What's going on all around them? What does Joseph think? Put yourself in Joseph's sandals. What, does, what is going through Joseph's mind? What is, what is he contemplating? What is he thinking? Does he think that this is the Son of God, the Messiah? Did Mary even say anything to him? You know, the Scripture doesn't tell us Mary ever told him a thing. What would you say? Hey, Joe. Just needed to share with you. I don't know if you noticed. I'm pregnant. Um, My child is the son of God, so don't worry. I didn't cheat on you. How's that going to go over? Yeah, not too good. I'm not sure she ever said anything to him. And I think usually in the betrothal period, you didn't have contact. You were still separated for that year until you came together for the hoopah, the marriage ceremony. And as they're in that time of separation, verse 19 says, And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. You know what we see about Joseph? Joseph is a moral man, but he's also a merciful man. Scripture tells us that, that he, is, um, he is willing to just let it stay small. Well, really what could be accomplished in that place is they would take Mary out to the center of the city where they would have collected all the dung from all the animals that anybody had around the city. They would have filled the box with that dung, placed her in the midst of it, and stoned her to death. And left her buried in that. That was what their traditions told them to do. So, that was what was possible. That's something that he could have done. But that's not what Joseph did. The scripture tells us in Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly. To love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. And I submit to you that that's why the Lord chose Joseph and Mary. Because Joseph was a man who was fully committed to God. He loved justice, but he also loved mercy. So the scripture says he sought to put her away privately. Not make a big deal about it. Just kind of divorce her quietly. Once you're betrothed, the only way out of a betrothal was divorce. So he would divorce her quietly and put her away. And the Bible says that 
while he thought of this, literally it's why he's laboring over this decision about what to do, what should I do, that the scripture tells us what occurs next. It says in verse 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting? The thing that was holding Joseph back was fear, right? That's what the angel said. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You ever know that if I do this thing that I feel like God's calling me to do, if I take this step or if I, if I put myself out on this limb, people are going to think I'm crazy, I'm stupid, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing right things. Listen, I remember... Early in, in Kathy and my marriage, when I was a dirtbag, and she was trying to make a decision as to whether or not, sorry, it's true, whether or not she was going to stay with me, and all the things that I had put her through, all the twisted, knotted life that was, you know, those days, while the number one worry in her heart was, what's everybody else going to think? They're going to think I'm stupid. They're going to think I'm dumb. They're going to think I'm lame. Well, I mean, Wednesday nights we're, we're studying the battle of Jericho this week. Let's consider Joshua. What do you think he thought, the people thought, when he was coming with a plan of attack for Jericho? Well, this is the leader we've elected. How about if Obama came to us and said, I got a plan, guys. We're going to march around. Pakistan, six days, the seventh day we'll march around it, seven times blow a trumpet, and they're all just going to fall down and it'll be over. Yeah, well, you're thinking it right now. You're crazy. You're crazy. Don't you think that that's some of what Joseph was feeling? If I take this woman who's pregnant, two things are going to happen. One, people are going to think I'm stupid. Two, people are going to think her and I slept together, and we didn't. They were righteous, as righteous as a, a man or woman could be before God. They hadn't sinned. But the whole world is going to think, what is Jesus, his whole life, going to be called? It's going to be called the bastard child of Joseph. They're going to say to Jesus, at least we know who our father is. Now, if the Pharisees knew that, come on, man, Nazareth's a small town. The places where they're growing up in Galilee, small towns. Small towns know everything about everybody, don't they? They know whether you mowed your lawn or you didn't mow the lawn. If you sprayed your weeds or you didn't spray the weeds. If the reason they have dandelions in their yard is because you haven't took care of the dandelions in yours. They know. And Joseph is wrestling with that concept. Do I want to do what I know God's calling me to do? Or do I want to just take an easier path? And the angel said, don't be afraid. I think the angel would say that to a lot of us this morning too. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to step out in obedience to what God has laid on your heart. And you think everyone's going to think I'm dumb or that's ridiculous or that doesn't make sense. Listen, God often works in the ridiculous. The scripture tells us, that he loves to use weak people because when he uses the weak, what happens? Everyone knows it was him. He is strong. He loves to use the foolish. Why? Because then he is shown wise. He comes through and it's not about us. So he does call us to do crazy things sometimes. Things maybe they don't make sense, but he calls us to. And his word to us is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take unto you Mary. For she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. What was he born to do? He who knew no sin was born to become sin, so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. So they named him Yehoshua, which means 
the salvation of Yahweh, or Yahweh is salvation. Yehoshua, it's the same name we pronounce Joshua. In the Greek, Jesus. They call him the salvation of God. You're going to name him Jesus. And that's his name. A lot of people think that his name is Jesus and his last name was Christ. But that's not right. His first name, Jesus, God is salvation. And Christ is the Hebrew word for Messiah, Mashiach, the anointed one, the chosen one, the one that the scripture spoke about in Genesis 3, the one that the scripture spoke about in Isaiah 58 and Daniel chapter 9. Every one of the prophets in Deuteronomy chapter 18 over and over and over again, all the way through the Old Testament, the Old Testament told a story of a deliverer. My deliverer is coming. And Jesus Christ was a fulfillment of that. God is salvation, the anointed one who is to come. And so the scripture tells us, so when all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the, by the Lord through the prophet, saying... Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Emmanuel is a descriptive name. What they're saying in Isaiah 7.14 and in Isaiah 8.8, we see the word Emmanuel again. They're describing what people are going to say about Jesus. We still say it today. He was God with us. God in the flesh. Jesus himself said it. It takes us 2,000 years later to mess it up. Yeah, you see, when Jesus was standing before the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are all there angry, and they're picking up stones, and Jesus said, For what good deed are you going to stone me? What have I done that you're going to stone me? And they say, not for a good deed, but you continually make yourself to be God. Sorry, there's no way around it. Jesus said he was God with us. Emmanuel. God come down from the glories of heaven and all that beauty and everything that's there to put on the garbage of sin. That's mind-boggling to me. And even in the incarnation, he appears to a 16-year-old girl, and he says to her, you're going to give birth to the Mashiach Nagid, the son of David, the Messiah, the king. He's going to be born through you. And she knows everyone's going to ridicule me my whole life, but she decides I would rather stand with Jesus than have everybody else Everyone else's praise and acceptance. Do you know, every single one of us is going to come to a point where we have to make a decision like that too. Don't you think? Sooner or later, in our life, in our walking with the Lord, in our, in our trusting with Him, there will come a day where we're going to have to say, I have chosen Jesus Christ over everything else. Sooner or later it comes. Sooner or later it happens. Joseph made the same choice. I want to ask you a question as we consider this. And we're going to talk about Isaiah in just a moment. But but let's take a look at this. John Piper wrote this in a book called God is the Gospel. Here's what he said. The critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness, with all the friends you've ever had on this earth, with all the food you ever liked, all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures that you ever tasted, with no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven If Christ was not there. And that is an important question to ask yourself. Am I 
caught up in this religious thing, this religion, this deal with Jesus, just because I want heaven. See, in the Old Testament, the children of Israel wanted to go into the promised land. They wanted the promised land more than anything else. And God takes them out of Egypt, and he takes them across to this place called Mount Sinai, or Mount Horeb, and he gives them the law, and he tells them what he requires, and they begin to rebel, continuously rebel. And one day, God says to the children of Israel, listen, guys, listen, this is not working out. Because, because I love you, and I want you to enjoy good things, but, but the only rule that God gave of, of any matter to them was the primary, right? Deuteronomy chapter 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love the Lord your God. So he said, I'll tell you guys what. This is not working out, so what's what I'm going to do? You guys can have the land. Go ahead. You can have the land. I'll still chase out your enemies. I'll still give you victory. You can have the land. (coughs) Excuse me, but I'm not going with you. And the children of Israel chose well that day because they said, If you're not there, I don't want it. And if you are there, that's all I want. Think about that for a minute. Isn't that what Mary said? I'm willing to do this because you're here with me. Your presence. So I want that presence more than I want the acceptance of the people around me. About Joseph, the same way. I want you more than I want any of these other things. So, so yeah, that's it. Man, I, I, I want that. The children of Israel said, hey, God, God, we want you. And they didn't move. You know what they did? They, they encircled the tabernacle and they just hung out where God was. How about in your life? How about in my life? Where are we hanging out most of the time? Are we hanging out where God is? And please don't take me wrong. Listen, when you guys aren't here, God's not here. You know that, right? It's just a building. That's it. I've been here when nobody's here. I'm frequently here when nobody's here. And when nobody's here, I get nice quiet time. And I can spend it with the Lord. But God's not here like he's here when we gather together. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst, right? We gather together. The things that we do, the, the things that motivate our life, is our life motivated by, I want to be where God is. I want to be where Jesus is. We give our life to Him. We, we ask Him to be our Lord and Savior. We confess Him with our mouth, believe in our heart. The Scripture declares we're saved. And then at that moment, Jesus Christ comes into our life. Becomes a part of our life. The Holy Spirit, he, just as He breathed on the disciples enters into our life, but we have a choice, don't we? Am I going to hang out with Jesus? Or is tomorrow just like every other day? Am I going to be committed? Would I take heaven without his presence if I could have everybody else, everything else, everything I ever enjoyed, everything I ever liked, everything that was ever good? If I could have all that, would I trade Jesus for that. That'll get you thinking, won't it? That'll get you thinking, wondering. But you know what I see? I see God in heaven who had all that and traded it all for you and me. Who gave it all to, with no glory in sight, right? He becomes sin. Not a great trade. Holiness becomes sin. Dies death on the cross. Raised again. And now the Bible tells us he despised all that stuff. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. What's the joy set before him? Just take a look around. We are. That's how much he loves us. He loves us so much, he'd do everything to make it, give us, provide for you and I that opportunity. That opportunity to make a choice that God is everything. He's my everything. And that's what set 
Mary apart. That's what set Joseph apart. So in Isaiah chapter 14, he says, Behold, the virgin will conceive a child. And like I say, it often takes us 2,000 years later to mess something up. So people looked at that and they said, Well, the word for virgin is the word Alma. And Alma means a young maiden. So this will be a sign to you. A young woman is going to get pregnant. Sound like a sign to anybody? We got a few signs in church. Everywhere Alma is used in the scriptures. Everywhere Alma is used outside of the scriptures. Even when Alma is referring to a young woman, it is referring to a young, unmarried, and marriageable woman. In those days, that meant a virgin. And in case we're wondering, well, you know, what did they really think about it? Do you guys know what the first book ever translated in the world was? That would be the Bible. In 270 B.C., 70 rabbis got together and translated the Old Testament. It's called the Septuagint. In 270 B.C., they translated from Hebrew into the Greek, the Old Testament scriptures. And what word did they use when they transmitted it to the Greek? They used the word for virgin. This will be a sign to you. A woman who has never known a man who is of marriageable age. She shall be with child and bear a son. And they will call his name Emmanuel. It always reminds me in the, in the book of Isaiah. We find ourselves a, 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 in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Another scripture that uh, speaks to us about the coming of Messiah. The the, the fact that Jesus Christ would be born. Here's what he says in Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. What's John three sixteen say? For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. So unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of his increase and of his government and peace, there will be no end. For upon the throne of David and over his kingdom... To order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even to forever. The zeal of Yahweh, he will perform this. So the, the, the Lord lays out for us here, a child is going to be born, a son is going to be given to you, and this son who was born and given to you is going to be called Mighty God. That's pretty important statement, right? Well, just in case you think when he says mighty God, he doesn't mean the mighty God. What's the next phrase? Everlasting Father, right? Well, that's a hard one to get past. Everlasting means forever, right? No beginning, no end. There's only one being has no beginning and no end. His name is Yahweh. His name is Yahweh. The Father. The Father in the flesh, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born of a 16-year-old girl, appearing, being announced by angels, and being born in this way. So in verse 24, listen to what it says. So Joseph, Joseph being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him his wife. That is what we call immediate obedience. Once he understood what God was calling him to, he didn't make excuses. He just did it. He just obeyed. He just said, God said, I can take her. He took her. This is my wife. He would take her and watch over her And Jesus, until the day he died, he would fulfill that role as a father, instructing his son, knowing the whole time 
that his son is almighty God. Tell me what that's like. Jesus, did you clean your room? I don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us what his growing up was like. It just shares with us one little story about when they lost him. And I can't even begin to imagine the panic. Mary, where's Jesus? I thought he was with you. Don't tell me we lost the son of God. (laughs) Scary, scary thing. I wonder how many times Mary looked at that baby and wondered... When, when Jesus was dedicated, we know that the prophets came to him and, and proclaimed him to be the Messiah. Said, this is the one who will save his people from their sins. Just like the, the, just like the angel said. Man, there's a lot of things going on. But as we look at it, I want to encourage you in this. When God speaks to you, even if it sounds like it's a little bit out there. Do what Mary did. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me as you have said. Or do like Joseph did. He was aroused from his dream, and immediately he put the steps in motions to say, Mary is mine. She's going to be my wife. I won't put her away quietly. And verse 25 says, And did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, And he called his name Jesus. It's an important phrase. Joseph did not know her till after Jesus was born. It means Joseph didn't have any sexual relations with Mary until after Jesus was born. We know the scripture tells us that Jesus had brothers. We know that. The Bible's very clear. Mary and Joseph enjoyed a normal marital relationship after the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus had brothers. And his brothers and his mother are going to be a part of his ministry all the way through his life. We're going to see them all the way through. The scripture lays all that out for us so we can know they're just normal people who made an extraordinary choice to do what God called them to do. Every guy we look at in the scriptures, Abraham, David, it doesn't matter who you look at throughout the word of God. Every single one of them is a sinner saved by grace who did extraordinary things because he took what God said and he applied them. He said, this is what God is is laid out for me. This is what God's word teaches. This is what God's word's calling me to. I'm just going to do it. And they were a part of extraordinary things. And they saw God move in extraordinary ways. Man, I want to see God move in extraordinary ways today, don't you? I want to see God move in extraordinary ways around the world and people who are perishing every day without Him. And it all begins by you and I making the choice. It says, I'm going to do what God's calling me to do, whatever that is. God's not going to necessarily call us all to the same thing. He's not going to instruct us that this is your thing and that's the other. There are a variety of things that God's going to direct and God's going to move and that God calls to. The question is, will you be obedient? Receive that call, heed that call, and watch God move. Hey, Joshua could have come up with his own plan, couldn't he? You and I, we can come up with our own plan. My encouragement to you, do God's plan. Let God move. Let God work. And he will show himself to be in your life, Emmanuel, which is God with us. Amen? Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we... Excuse me, we thank you for this morning, this opportunity. We thank you for every mother, Lord, for, for what they've meant in our lives, for how they've loved us. We thank you for the example of a young mother in Scripture today. And we pray, God, that we would have that attitude. We pray that we would have that desire that says, I want to obey. 
I want to follow what God is, is directing me toward. I want to be what God wants me to be, and I don't want to make excuses. It simply, to me, re- relies on a, on a choice to say, so be it, Lord. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to turn away from what you've been laying on my heart to turn away from. I'm going to make these changes. Not because I want heaven. I make these choices because I love you. Lord, your word is clear. If my motivation is anything other than love, it's just a bunch of noise. It's just a bunch of nonsense. So, Lord... In this place, God, teach us to love you. Teach us to love you with all our heart. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, be upon each and every one of us, Lord God, that we might experience the love of God that is poured into our life by the Holy Spirit. Lord, may we surrender to what you're trying to do in our life and not fight against it, not kick against the goads. But to just say, behold, here I am, use me. Here I am, take me. Here I am, in response to your great love, as you came to be sin for me, let me be your hands and feet today. As a response to the love of God, May we love him, not just in word, but in deed also. Lord, we pray that you would move among your people and draw us unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite the prayer counselors to move around the room. If there's anybody here this morning that... uh...